Are you trying to start a podcast but are struggling with the process? Well, you're in the right place now. Contact one of us at Across the Board Sports and we can help you get started through Anchor. We're looking for more podcasters and the best place to do your show is on Anchor. It is the easiest way to distribute your podcast on all major platforms and it's the most user-friendly website. Contact us and let's begin. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Ladies and gentlemen, good afternoon and welcome inside the latest edition of Across the Cavs. Zach Weiss here as always, giving you the latest scoop from Cavaliers Kingdom. And there is actually news from the NBA. That's right. There is no more Cavaliers basketball for the 2019-2020 season, which means that we may have seen the last of Tristan. Hopefully Andre now decides to resign and the J.B. Bickerstaff first season was extremely short-lived. He took over right after the All-Star break, after the, the end of the John Beeline run, and so that's that. I mean, that brings the end of uh, this, their season. So now we look ahead to what this means, and it means that the draft lottery is the next thing we can be excited about for the Cavs. And, you know, that being said, they've had some great luck with the lottery balls before they won back-to-back first overall picks in 2013 and 2014 with Bennett and Wiggins only one combined season out of them traded them for Kevin Love it's had a very nice run with the Cavs a few years earlier they won the lottery they got Kyrie number one and obviously LeBron James Brad Daugherty they've had some great success in the draft so with the hopes that the Cavs win the number one pick they can get whoever they want to come to the city and help the movement of the young Cavs to get over the hump. And it's been a long time since they've made the playoffs without LeBron James present. And so the hope will be that the likes of Sexton, Porter, Nance can and help the Cavs do that. And it's plenty to be excited about. 19-46, not the worst record. They had the worst record in the East. They had a bad loss to the Bulls when they let turned out to be when they played their final game but you know what the most important takeaway for me on this 19 and 46 season is Cavaliers ranked second in total attendance that's just speaks volumes to the support they have from the city of Cleveland and whether or not we have fans next season is going to be determined or that's up in the air it's something that we can't control uh, that's something that uh, those the higher ups in the league office are going to have to decide on but second in the league on a team with 19 wins, no superstar, and no real expectation is sensational. And, you know, they're not always the loudest. They're not always the craziest, but they're there. Cavs fans have always been there. The four years LeBron was in Miami, they still drew fans. They had a nice crowd. People in Cleveland love this team, and it showed. There's so much to be happy about when you look back at the season. You probably wish for some more wins than the 19, but Kevin Love stayed mostly healthy. Colin Sexton did not miss a game. He's yet to miss a game in his career. He averaged 21 points, uh, three boards. He did a lot of good. You know, Darius Garland had some ups and downs. Tristan continued his thing. Larry Nance showed improvement shooting the three. Love what we got from Jetty Osman. You know, KPJ came in, did his thing. Delhi was was here the whole year, played in most of the games. He had his moments to start. So I look back on the season, and I smile at what we saw. And there were some nights where watching the Cavs was 
very difficult. You know, they were just losing. They were getting blown out. They weren't in it. There were those two games in L.A., Clippers, Lakers. They got blown out in both. But, you know, they had their moments up till about 1, 115 Eastern time watching those. But you know what it is? And as a fan of a team that's rebuilding, it's going to be tough watching some nights. You're listening on the radio, watching on TV, whatever you're, however you get your fix. But I love this team, as many Cavs fans do, because they play with heart. They play for each other. And they don't let off-court distractions influence what happens on the floor. It's been the case for a long time, going back to the Kyrie Irving drama. From the time he finished his first season, his quote-unquote camp was apparently pushing for his exit. That was always in the media. That was always just rumors. And I do enjoy the Cavs journalists on The Atlantic and several other sites. That's personally where I read my Cavs news in The Atlantic, you know, Jason Lloyd and, uh, and the crew. But they don't let it affect them. The Kyrie and Dion drama, I mean, it's too bad that Waiters couldn't last in Cleveland after he had some really nice moments, some game winners, some clutch performances, big scoring nights. But they didn't have issues, he and Kyrie. Dion's now playing with LeBron again, I might add, in Los Angeles. Hope that works out when the season does reboot. Kyrie, literally, on the first day of free agency, after his rookie contract was up, what does he do? He signs the long-term deal. He wanted to be in Cleveland at that time. And they put all the drama aside. He cared about winning in Cleveland. And he helped the Cavs get that ring when all was said and done. So they don't let the off-court issues affect them. When Kevin Love and Colin Sexton had a beef earlier this year, did that stop them? No. They got over it. They got back to playing. Kevin had some great performances. Colin looked all-star-esque in the final month of the season. So there's so much to be proud of. And most importantly, as I was just alluding to, the coaching drama, the the slugs-thugs thing from John Beeline while he was still coaching, they didn't let that affect them either. They just kept playing. They cared about one another. They cared about playing hard, sticking up for each other. You know what the great Fred McLeod would always say? Rest in peace, Fred McLeod on a putback. When the shot doesn't go in, like Tristan says, I got your back. And you're like, I got your back. I got you. That's the Cavs motto. You know, it's all for one, you know, believe one, but it's really, I got your back. One man falls down, four men pick him up. And that's really how the Cavs play. And I'm really excited to see what next season brings. As a basketball fan, it's going to be real exciting checking out this tournament, the playing games, seeing all these teams from the West. On a non-Cavs note, it would be un- unreal if the Spurs somehow cracked the top eight after the playing tournament if they get close enough. They had a horrible season. They had a ridiculously long playoff stretch with Parker, Duncan, and Manu and continue without all three last season. If they find their way in, it might be the craziest thing in, in basketball through everything this year. Team not really that good finding their way in. But that being said, a few other things to talk about with the Cavs. Uh, Talking about a guy like Dylan Windler, who I'm really excited to finally see next season. It's too bad he didn't get to play this year. Re-aggravated a prior injury as he was trying to rehab. He was close to a return. Big setback. You know what they say, minor setback for a major comeback. Dylan Windler was a baller at Belmont. He's a 20-10 guy being 6'6". What does that tell you? He's active on the glass. With Nance, Love, Drummond, and Tristan. Whether or not Tristan re-signs. We'll get to that. They've got rebounders. And if they can get the likes of Dylan Windler out there with these guys, they're going to eliminate second chances for several opponents, which goes a long way toward improving as a team. When you're forcing tough shots, 
and you're able to grab the rebound and push the other way, it's huge. Every second chance basket you allow is basically a blunder on your team's part that leads to points for your opponent. That sounds obvious, but, but it's vital to wins at the end of the day. And so I'm very excited to see Wendler. I think he can be a guy that is going to be a little more than 3 and D. I think you'll kind of see him like a DeMar DeRozan type, but with a three-point shot. When I say that, I could see Wendler kind of do, also doing what Carmelo used to do in Denver in his early days with the Knicks, getting the ball about 15 feet away. He'll face up, you know, get in a triple threat position. He's got a gorgeous shot. I think he can create it for himself if he catches in that position. He's going to be a big jump shooter. I think he could score 10 to 15 a night. What they do in the draft will highly determine what kind of role he can end up with. To maximize his potential, they'll probably have to avoid drafting a forward. I don't know what they're going to do there. I really don't. There's a lot that can be said of what, how they want to draft and who they want. You know, There's the LaMelo Ball crowd. There's me and the Anthony Edwards crowd. There's the Wiseman crowd, the Toppin crowd, the Okongwu crowd. Okongwu, by the way, a former high school teammate of LaMelo. There's no way to get both, but just saying they're both on Ticino Hills for a bit. But I'm curious to see how Wendell ends up being used. His ability to shoot the three will be much needed for this team next year. One thing Jetty Otsman can't do is consistently knock down threes. One night he'll hit five, the next he might go 0 for 6. You don't know what you're getting from him as a scorer. So him having a lesser role with Wendler coming back I think will help all parties. I think Jetty could still play 20 to 25 minutes, whatever, whether or not he starts. And that should be better. Give Wendler minutes. I think he can score 10 to 15 a night if he gets his 20 minutes. He can score. He can rebound, and I think he can do a lot of good. And talking about the timing of this season affecting next, as it stands now, the final date for a game would be, assuming everything passes uh, tomorrow, the NBA meeting, Board of Governors, NBPA, everybody, would be October 12th. Given that only t- that there's going to be 22 teams out of the 30 coming back, 16 playing beyond the first few weeks, Roughly Christmas, guys will be a little tired coming into the season, but given that they've already had this time off, it's kind of you can look at the playoffs as a mid-season tournament for 22 teams and just extra rest for eight. I think the Cavs will be ready to go when things do start up again. It stinks because it'll end up being nine months between Cavs games, which is going to be the longest outside of a lockout we've ever seen for a team to play and it's going to be fun when they do get to take the court again, but likely Christmas start. Remember the lockout shortened year when the Heat won their first title with Braun 2011-12, nine, nine years ago. It's going to be a shorter season in 2020-21 probably, and then the hope would be that, you know, you finish the playoffs in June or July again, so then 2021-22, things can go back to normal. And maybe the Cavs will have an edge next year, with that shorter season, it'll take fewer wins to get to the playoffs. No idea what that game number is going to look like, but you never know what can happen. The last time there was a 66-game season, I believe the Cavs had gone 21-45. and 45. So we'll see what ends up happening. i just hoping to see some wins for the fellas next year. Just happy to have basketball back. And talking about you know, the... Collins, you know, uh, getting back to it, sorry for the quick technical glitch. You know, we talk about Colin Sexton. He's been working out a lot. 
really hitting the weights. This could be huge for his development. There's so many times Colin just drives down the lane and tries to lay it up in traffic, and he just can't get get up enough to do it, to finish the shot. Gets, he probably inflates the block leaders in the NBA's totals with how many times he drives in unsuccessfully. So of all the great things he does do, though, you know, he, he hoops at a high level. You know, he can score at a high rate, as he was doing. It's hard not to love Colin Sexton. And you watch his game. You smile when you're watching this dude play. You get excited. He scores at an impressive clip. He's got end-to-end speed like we used to see from John Wall. He's just a joy as a Cavs fan to be able to see. And if he can put on weight, what I'd be impressed would be the poster dunks that he can start pulling off. If he can improve his vertical even more, he won't have to continue to try and lay it up over big guys. He can go around them more smoothly. Work on his pump fake too. If he can start finishing through contact, I mean, that's it. The only thing he lacks is, is finishing over bigs. That's the only thing he can't do on offense consistently and effectively. He's got the mid-range game down. He's got a high-rate three-point shot. Done. He, his passing has really grown exponentially. His ability to actually find guys in positions to score as you see the uh, improved assist total. So he hits the weights. As you see, he's been plate pushing. I can't wait to see him again. It's going to be a long time before he suits up for the Cavs again. So the hope would be that with all this time off, he's not too rusty. A lot of guys come in and start slow at the beginning of each season. But when that happens, other guys pick up the slack. As long as he's staying in shape, continuing to pack on the muscle. Can't wait. And now closing out today's uh, short show, talking about Matty D. Matthew Delavadova. I do think he will re-sign a one or two year deal worth maybe uh, three to seven million total. That is maybe a two year six million dollar deal would be nice. You know, he's not gonna ask for big bucks. He got the big contract already from the Bucks. I think he earned every cent of it with his performance with the Cavs from undrafted to high paid. And I just I do hope that that he sticks because I loved what he brings. I love what he brings rather. He's consistent. He scores. He gets you know, he just I love the style of play he has when he brings the ball across the timeline and just creates so impressively. For other guys. Backs into his man so he can see the whole court and hold on to the ball. He defends at a high clip. He was starting to find his shot finally. And I just think he's such a great leader. Uh, having been around the Bucks for a few years before coming back. Played with some fantastic veterans too. I mean, how can you not love Matthew Delavadova? Seriously. You can joke that he lost his jump shot or he, about plenty of things. You know, his shot is flat. At times, he's not as effective, but he's a leader. You know what he is? He's a cavalier. He is a true cav. I just think he's a fixture in the city. The fact that they traded back for him in the George Hill deal says a lot. It might have just been a salary match. But it's so nice to have him as a cav. And at a cheaper price next season, I don't see why not. If he leaves, 
I, I really couldn't say what teams might take a look. I'd be very intrigued if the LA Lakers would consider a guy like that. They already have Rondo, but if they opt to do something with him, you know, bring in Delhi. But I, I just want to see him in the NBA next year. As a Cavalier, would be awesome. Maybe goes back to number eight. Not number nine. His days as number nine lasted half a season. Luol Dang comes in. He switches to eight. Comes back. Clarkson's wearing eight. He switches to 18. And now, now he's still wearing the 18. I hope he re-signs. Because if Matthew Dellavedova re-signs, I'll be buying my third Matthew Dellavedova jersey this summer. I have the Cavs number eight. The Bucks number eight. Now, here we go. I want to get that number 18. You got to make sure he's going to stick. I hope he does. I have the Deli One sneaker on that note. This isn't about me. This is about him. But I love him. It's my guy. So the Cavs re-signing Vadova would, for me, would make up for the mistake of not re-signing him in 2016. I mean, it makes sense. They're still competing for titles. They can't pay a backup guard $38 million over four years, especially in that market. That was the free agency period where Jan Mahimi and Bismack Biombo got super deals. So did Mozgov. When he only played one year after that. Timofey Mozgov's contract was basically Albert Hainsworth NBA edition. So he played two years, sorry, but not very effective ones. He's already out of the league. Anyway, I hope they re-sign Delhi. If not, you know, look for a contender to add him as a locker room voice and occasional fill-in guard. So that'll do it for this edition of Across the Cavs. As always, I'm your host, Zach Weiss. Appreciate all the support. Catch us on Twitter at Across Cavs. Until next time.